This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. May 22nd, 1956, page one of the San Francisco Chronicle. The supervisors accepted a final plan yesterday for clearing away some of San Francisco's most miserable late Victorian slums. Seven years after the plan was first hatched, the Board of Supervisors had given the go-ahead to urban renewal in the Western edition. It was the official beginning of one of the saddest chapters in San Francisco history, the destruction of a community. After World War II, the prevailing idea among liberals and business leaders was that urban renewal could save American inner cities. The only way to deal with urban blight, the thinking went, was to raise the slums, replace the old housing stock with big new buildings. The legal definition of blight took into account economic factors, the state of the housing in an area, and, quote, social conditions. One of those social conditions was how many people in the area weren't white. Back in the 40s, the supervisors had selected a 200-square-block area west of Van Ness Avenue for rebuilding with the help of federal money and local enterprise. Now, finally, they'd settled on a tenth of that, 28 square blocks. The rectangular area stretched from Franklin Street west to Broderick between Post and a jagged southern boundary along O'Farrell, Ellis, and Eddy Streets. The city would buy and clear all but a few buildings, churches, schools, big office buildings, and they'd sell the land to private developers. The people who lived there were promised that they would get the first chance to move back into the neighborhood. 60% of those people were African American. The Fillmore District had quickly developed into what was often called the Harlem of the West after the war. The black population in San Francisco had been small until wartime, when well-paid shipyard jobs attracted part of the Great Migration from the South. The Western Edition, a label nearly interchangeable with the Fillmore, had been home to San Francisco's Japantown, with more than 5,000 Japanese-Americans living in the area and over 200 Japanese-owned businesses. But the Japanese population was swept into prison camps in 1942 under orders from President Franklin Roosevelt, another of San Francisco's saddest chapters. The emptied neighborhood made room for the African-American community, which thrived. Maya Angelou was part of that northward migration. She lived in the Fillmore as a teenager, sent west from Arkansas to live with relatives. She wrote, The Yamamoto seafood market quietly became Sammy's shoeshine parlor and smoke shop. Yashihira's hardware metamorphosed into La Salon de Beauté, owned by Miss Clorinda Jackson. The Japanese shops, which sold products to Nisei customers, were taken over by enterprising Negro businessmen, and in less than a year, became permanent homes away from home for the newly arrived Southern Blacks. The supervisors and the redevelopment district had been chewing over the plan for years since then, 
The Chronicle's story about the vote noted that the reaction to the measure's passage was muted, showing that even a program with such golden promise as rebuilding 28 blocks in the Western edition grows less inspiring when it remains only a plan, an unhatched egg, for seven years. The vote was unanimous, and the Chronicle story notes that only one soup, William Blake, had questions about the project, and those questions were, would the city see increased tax revenue from it, and would it increase the area's population? The answers were yes, increased tax revenues of about a half million dollars a year, and no, no increase to the area's population. There was no mention of the community that was being driven out, the homes and businesses that were being lost. No mention that the majority of the population being driven out was African-American, a community that had never been represented on the Board of Supervisors and wouldn't be for another eight years. James Baldwin visited San Francisco in 1963, years into the redevelopment project. He told this story about it. A boy last week, who was 16 in San Francisco, told me they were tearing down his house because San Francisco is engaging as all, most northern cities now are engaged in something called urban renewal, which means moving the Negroes out. It means Negro removal. That is what it means. The next year, 1964, the plan moved into its second phase. The project was expanded to 60 square blocks. More than 800 businesses were closed. More than 2,500 Victorian houses demolished. More than 4,500 households forced out. They wiped out our community, said Reverend Amos Brown, the head of the San Francisco NAACP. They weakened our institutional base and never carried out their promise to bring people back. This spring, James Baldwin's quote has appeared in advertisements opposing SB 50, a bill that seeks to put more housing near transit stations and job centers. Supporters of that bill say it has nothing to do with urban renewal. Not Your Century is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this show, we'd love it if you'd give it a rating and a review. For great journalism today, consider subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle, which you can do in both paper and digital form by going to sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Historical research by Libby Coleman. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.